Welcome back to another episode of the Rag Report podcast with me, Sean Anderson, bringing you a daily bulletin show from recruitment owners, advisors, suppliers, even investors around the world who are prepared to give up some of their time to talk about their journey, their, their expertise and, and, and what they're doing in lockdown and, and how finally how they're going to cope with the new world that we face ourselves in right now. Um, today, I'm super excited to be joined by Chris Evans. Chris is the CEO and founder of ECS Resourcing Group. Um, ECS are a specialist IT recruitment and solutions provider headquartered in the Midlands and are, as, an, as a business have been going for 31 years. So I think they're the oldest standing business I've interviewed on the rag. Um, Chris and I met, I think it was just over a year ago, at a TRN huddle in, um, in the summer over a few beers and, and uh, We've, we've been keeping in touch ever since and, and we've been working with them recently. So um, a business I know quite a lot about, but not, not, I'm excited to find out more. Before I do, just a quick word from our sponsor today, which is Rise Recruitment Ventures. Rise are an investment business looking to help new and early stage recruitment agencies to scale and exit. So John and Alex, who, who head the business up, sold Liquid Personnel in 2016 for over 20 million between the two of them, having started it in a bedroom together. Hopefully they didn't sleep together, but that's a different story. Um, but these guys have now set up a new business, which is designed to give you not only capital, but the expertise and the knowledge to build and scale an, an exitable business. So if that's the sort of thing that you're interested in, if you've got those growth plans, coronavirus is here, but it won't be here forever. You're going to need a plan. You might need some backing. You'll definitely need support. So get in touch via www.riserv.co.uk and uh, they'll get you in their process ASAP. Right, back to the show. Chris, welcome to The Rag Report. Thank you very much. Nice to be here, Sean. Thanks for the invite. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to have you on. Um, mate, I'll, yeah, I've done you a bit of an intro. Um, so in true Rag Report style, my first question every day over the last three months has been, What's your life like right now? So just paint a picture for the listeners. What the hell is going on in your world today? Um, well, we're actually, my, from my own personal point of yeah, view. personal world. Yeah, the, the, um, I'm back in the office every day. Yeah. Um, so it's sort of running normal to a certain degree from our perspective. Um, the only thing is, I suppose, I come in and I haven't got enough work to do to keep me busy for the whole day. Um, which is, you know, so you sort of you sort of end up shuffling pieces of paper around your desk, trying to make yourself look busy and stay here for as long as you can, uh, <laughs> because it feels like you should do. Um, but you know, it's getting back to some sort of normality. Um, there's there's only there's myself and my two co-directors, Paul and Carl, who were who were back in the office every day. Then I've got an admin team in the background, and they're working every day and have done throughout. And then we've got just we're down to three in delivery. Um, and um, they've been absolutely smashing what we're getting through. Mm. So, we, you know, it's been slow, it's been hard, it's been really difficult, as you know, as with everybody. Um, but I think we can start to see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Well, um, you're not alone, mate. I think uh, there's a lot of people out there that are, would like to be busier. There's others that are finding themselves in a stupidly busy place. Um, what, what I'd love to do with you though, is to go back a bit. So I've been dying to have this chat about your story because when you told me over a few beers last year, I was, I remember we had a good laugh, but, um, there's so much in there. So Chris, can you, can we go back 31 years to when you started the, the business? Just tell us like, what was you, 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 were, you said you were 22 years old. You started ECS. Tell, what was going on in your world back then? Um, well, Going back before that, I suppose, um, I'd left oh, left school last year or so at school, just messed around. So I left there with absolutely zero. Um, mother and father, extremely disappointed, decided I should be retaking my O-levels at college. Yeah. So went to college, got kicked out of there after two weeks, were asked to leave, right. and then, then went into computers on a YTS scheme. Right. And, um, and then did that for a couple of years. Well, did that for a couple of years. And then decided that let's go down more sales route. So recruitment was something. Started working for a couple of people. And then after sort of 18 months, two years, thought I knew it all. And decided it would be a good time to start it by myself. Um, so in 1989, started in a little serviced office in Solihull. Um, and, and then... What, so um, just, let's just go back. Cause yeah. 
starting a business in 1989 compared yeah. to some of the people that listen or have starred on this show recently, like mm. it's going to be different. So what, what did you, what, what sort, if you can remember, I'm asking you yeah. to think a lot here, yeah, yeah, but from yeah. an infrastructure perspective, yeah. what did you need to be a business owner in 1989? I bet there was more complexity around kit and shit that you needed to get than you do now. Well, I'll tell you what I had. Um, I had an Amstrad, an Amstrad PC, which was, um like that wide yeah. that deep um in black and white and then next to it i had a dot matrix printer that printed one line at a time right um and then i had a phone and that was it that was literally it my dad was into computers a little bit and wrote me a very basic crm which we used for the, the next five years really um so that was my that was my log of who i'm calling when i'm calling and everything else but back then, it was really weird because you'd get a job in and the first thing you had to do was advertise it. Well, the papers weren't out for a week or whatever. Yeah. So then you'd have to get the CVs through in the post. And then when they came through, <laughs> I'd have to type them up into like a format. Yeah. And then I'd have to print them off on this dot matrix printer which used wow. to drive me mental. And then I'd try and sell them over the phone, but you know, you'd still have to send the CVs. And then, so you send the CVs, and then you'd have to send in. Would you post the CVs as well? You'd have to post the CVs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You post the CVs out. Surely and the then, mail would get stuff wrong. Like they wouldn't even arrive sometimes. Well, you know, you'd be you're trying to get these things sorted, and so we're already probably three or four weeks down the line from the moment we've actually picked the roll up. You know, yeah. and. Um, then you have to send interview letters out to confirm them and all this sort of stuff. So everything was done via the post. Um, and eventually you might get to an offer stage. So you're probably six or eight weeks down the line. And then uh, finally you get someone starting another month later. So, you know, whereas now if you get a job through, you know, you, you can have interviews arranged within hours. Yeah, yeah. Um, but back then, no, it was everything was via the post. Um, wow, and you were the you were the one man band doing all of that, or did you have yeah. a few, did you have any admin support, or were you no. li li licking stamps and stuff? No, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. I had to do all that, and um, and then after about six months, I took on the first person. Um, and so what, then, what sort of fees were you doing back then? They were still, still sizable numbers. Yeah, they were still like we were working. I remember working at sort of thirteen and fifteen percent, um, but obviously the salaries were. Were yeah. lower, um, so you know the percentages were were still in the, what they are today, really. I suppose, mm. but um, yeah, the salaries were a lot lower. But then I don't have the overheads that I I didn't have the overheads that I have now. Yeah, yeah. You know? an, overhead, an overheads would have been lower, but in six months you made enough that you thought about hiring someone else, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so I took somebody on, and then uh, moved into. Um, a contracted office like a rental office rather than a serviced office um with aspirations of grandeur and bought uh, rented this i don't know some like a thousand square foot or something like that so you know we were playing football in it and all sorts of stuff <laughs> two of us you know and uh, keeping ourselves busy and then took on another guy and then um all of a sudden 91 92 recession hit so things were things were going nice and then recession hit and that was really, really hard. That recession, um, and you're only like 25 years old at that point, and you yeah, 22, 20, yeah. obviously 24. Yeah, so, um, we it was like all of a sudden we didn't have a contract base to, to fall back on, so it was all perm, all of that stopped. And then, um, so come the July, I made the two guys that were working for me redundant, and on the 18th of August that year, 92. I phoned up my accountants and I phoned up the bank and said, we're closing down as of the 31st of August because we're in too much debt and wow. I can't, it can't cope and everything else. Then the following couple of days later, I got a phone call from a client of mine. I always remember his name, Roger Billow. Um, he was working for a company called Perro Systems in Nottingham. And he said, Chris, I need a computer operator. And I'm like, yeah, right, okay, well, I'll see what I can do. You know, went to my filing cabinet, see what I could find and sent him over two guys. And by which by which stage we've got a fax machine, by the way. Oh, and wow. that was like that things was like are moving. Technology, man. I tell you what, it? it was unbelievable. And um, and then um, he, he interviewed them straight away, and he said, "Look, I can't split them, so I'm going to take them both." And I'm like, "Whoa, okay." 
and they were £3,300 each a fee, and they paid on seven days. So I was like, okay, hang on. Business can survive. So let, let's go through September. So I went through September, then October, then November, and then for the next three years, worked in another box of an office by myself, um, just staring at four walls until 95, 96, when um, it started picking up again. And then um, Paul and Carl joined me over that period. And there's the so How, just before we go into more detail around where yeah. you went, like, I mean, one thing that fascinates me is like, you know, spending your early 20, early to mid 20s yeah. as a, not only a business owner, but a, 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 basically a single, a single business where it's just you and then you've got a couple of people. But looking back, would, like, what do you think when you look back at that? Like spending your 20s in, in isolation trying to build a business when you could have been working for a firm full of people, surrounded by people your age. Like, what do you think when you look back at that? Um, I don't, I don't look back on it as with any, um, regret in a way, like I did, you know, one thing I suppose I missed out on the lads were going on holidays and all this sort of stuff. And I didn't have a holiday for like five years, Yeah, well, you um, because couldn't afford it or didn't want to have the time off or whatever else. Cause I just wanted, I didn't want to, I, there was fear of failure, I suppose as well. And, um, so I don't look back with any regrets. Um, I think in hindsight, perhaps yeah, three or four years or maybe a little bit longer working for somewhere else and learning more and understanding more. And instead of being the big I am and thinking I knew it all, um, you know, just just getting a bit more knowledge of the, the world, I suppose, you yeah. know. Um, but it also, it's also, I don't know, it makes you stronger as well, in a way. Uh, makes you more... It, you grow it, up. You grow up. Massively, 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 especially when, you know, say you're two weeks from going under and um and you know you've got massive debt and you're thinking right okay well i'm never going to pay that off i could never pay that off i'll never get a mortgage i'll never be able to do it you know what i mean right, that's and, then, and then you know you get a bit of luck and, and and that's what you need as well i'm interrupting today's episode to bring you a message from our sponsor odro the market's leading video interview platform. But today we're not talking about making video. We're talking about an industry-wide challenge they've put together to raise money for the Teenage Cancer Trust. And it's called the Active Recruiter Challenge. So coming up on the 10th of July, which is a Friday, they are challenging recruiters all over the world to run either a 10K or a half marathon, running from your homes and choosing your route up and down the country. So um, everyone's getting involved. I'm personally about to get involved. I've held back because I've had some injuries, but I'm about to do it. I know my business partner and my mates are getting involved. It's 25 pounds each and you can nominate your friends and get your whole business, all your recruitment team in included. Choose whether you want to run a half marathon or a 10K. I fancy the half, but I'm not sure I'm fit enough, but let's see. Um, and get involved by downloading the Strava app. So they've put together a very specific Strava group that you sign up to and then you join the group with your friends, colleagues and all the other recruiters out there. There's going to be a runner's pack with numbers and wristbands that will be sent out by the Odro team. Um, and you can see all the information on Odro's blog for, for further details. It is as close as we can get to the real thing of meeting people, being together right now. And also it's for an amazing charity. So, um, you know, you need to get started and do this, guys. Um, I'm officially training. I hope you're going to be there too. All the information is going to be shared um, below this episode. So get involved. Back to the show. So you get to 95, 96. Yeah. The guy's joining you. And yeah. then were they experienced people already or were they fresh off no no paul paul i knew from the belfry right um because um i used to have golf golf days there and things like that and um he was a bellboy um had all the uh, potential yeah and carl carl he'll 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 argue this point or till till he's till the cows come home but he came from a he, he it was a company called jtr recruitment but we were convinced it was a suntan shop <laughs> uh, <laughs> Recru recruiting tans all over the middle that's, that's right yeah wow. and um so yeah they both they neither of them had any experience so it was all but back then it was a matter of okay we're banging the phones you know it was it was canvas 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 um was that when you first thought like you know i've got some good i've got i've got people around me now we can we can go at this together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the next phase over the next few years was in 2000, 
um, we'd moved to another office in Birmingham, uh, just outside Birmingham, and we'd probably got about, I don't know, eight to ten people in there, I suppose, by then. And then we'd also, we opened an office in Manchester because back then we did a lot of operations on the IT side. So there was data centers and a lot of our clients were up that way. So we opened an office in, uh, you all know, in St. Anne's Square. Yeah. Um, so we opened that and Carl moved up into Manchester and we had that office for four years. And then we probably, we probably expanded and there was probably 20 odd of us in, in total in the two offices. But I think the, the sort of fun had gone out of it at that stage and um, perhaps I think it had grown quicker than I'd grown and quicker than the, the, the other guys had grown. So it had come a little, it'd gone a little bit out of control. So we said, right, okay, let's, let's just cut this back. So we closed both offices, got rid of everybody. So what, why though? What, 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 I, I get what you're saying, but what, were the, what was going on? Like, give us a bit more detail. What was the indicators that you need to make a decision like that? Because we, we were losing a bit of control of it, I suppose. And we weren't making, we weren't making the money we'd be making before. Yeah. Um, and um, we weren't mature enough as a business to, to grow and to develop th- those sort of numbers of people um, and give them the support that they needed. Because really, at the end of the day, you know, I'm a glorified recruitment consultant at heart. And that's, yeah. you know, that's all, you know, it's just that I just sit behind a different desk. That's how I see it. Yeah. Um, and I wish I was doing their job half the time. Um, mm. But so I felt like we were losing the control. We were losing some of the service quality, which has always been you know, massive yeah. for me. And um, we make a commitment and, you know, we were so we were losing a bit of that anyway and so it was like right we've got to cut this back we've just got to go back to basics and let's 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 see what we can do and let's rip it apart and let's start again sort of thing so we closed both of the offices opened a very small office just outside of uh, by the NEC um, and there was like five or six of us um, and we worked out of there for a couple of years and then because we got that quality back and then all of a sudden the clients we were working with became more demanding because they wanted more from us. So with more, we needed more to be able to deliver that. So we needed to grow again. Um, and so we, again, we bought offices this time and in Meriden where we are now. And then it got, we, we grew and um, got to a stage that in about, oh no, about pretty, about five years ago, we were, we were probably 30, 30 people, I guess, something like that. Not, not massive. But um, we wanted we, we needed to mature as a business. It was a time where perhaps I needed to grow up. I don't know. And um, we needed more governance. We needed more compliance. We needed more process instead of instead of everybody just do, coming in and doing their jobs and whatever. And we we also had some growth plans. And we went from in I don't know. I suppose in two thousand and ten we we were doing contractors then as well and everything else. But and we were probably a standard of three million pound business i guess turnover business so by about 2013 14 we'd got to about 14 mil yeah 13 14 mil um and um so it's really it's developed from there um and now we're with that that sort of maturity we've now gone from 30 people to 30 strong whereas we were probably 30 people with you know 50 percent of them really key and um, so we've got we've gone into a much better place now. So we'll go into that. So if we go back a bit, like I'm really interested in your journey because you, the way you just said that, you've always been quite humble about the fact that you know you enjoyed being a recruiter. You're a good recruiter. You are a glorified recruitment consultant, and I think a lot of people listening will resonate with that. Mm. You know, not many get into the game to be a, a leader and a manager and a director. Like they get into it to make money because they like client interaction and they're good at that in that daily. The, the, you know, hustle and bustle and managing what's going on. So how, how did your journey as an individual go in that time? And how, what were the highs and lows for you personally? Um, well, I've always thought I could do it all anyway. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and everyone will tell you that as well. Um, <laughs> um, but I think I've learned a hell of a lot over that period of time. Yeah, you know, it's the business is, it's not about me. It, it never has been just about me. It's about, and that's not just sort of, uh, you know, 
and saying it to be cringy or whatever, it's true. And it's never been about Chris Evans riding off into the sunset, with, you know, and everything else, because if that was the case, I'd have probably done it by now. Mm. Um, there's a real, I really am passionate about what, what we do here. And so it's, so it's all about me giving the guys and the girls here opportunity and then taking that opportunity and, and really making something with themselves and in an, in an environment that gives them, I don't know, a great life with it. You know, now I'm guessing this isn't really answering the question because I'd, like I say, I don't really see it being about me. The, the highs and lows of it, look, you know, people can, you see it all the time. People think that sitting behind the big desk is, is easy or you can make it look easy, but you need to be a totally, di a to totally different type of individual to do it. You know, and you need a very hard shell. You might be a really good recruiter, um, but the, the the rest of it that comes with it, you need to be able to. Um, you can't. You, you're that person that can you sleep at night? No, well, no. You know, because it does. It, it doesn't go. But that's what I signed up for, I suppose. That's mm. what I signed up for 30 years ago. I knew what I suppose to a certain degree I was getting into, and. Um, that hasn't changed. So I take the highs and the lows with thinking that well, that's, that's what I signed in for. And I've got to now, if there's a bad time, there's a bad time, I'm not going to just give up. Yeah. And I've, I've never been one for giving up. It's a matter of right. We've got to dig deep here. And I don't like making any of the hard decisions that we're having to make now and we've had to make in the past, but they're, they're for the, the good of the rest of the team and the, and the business as a whole. Um, and everybody here owns that business really in, you know, it is, it is them as well. Yeah. makes sense. Well, you mentioned on, uh, on the phone before we spoke about some real lows when you got, you were, you were, you, you were one of the biggest uh, events in the country at one point. Oh my God. Oh my God. Tell us more. December, December the 24th, Christmas Eve, 2014. Yeah. I'm driving home and obviously we've wrapped it all up and driving home and going to be parking up and going up to the pub with the family and everybody else, you know, and, uh, my accountant at the time phones me up and, uh, she said, uh, Chris, uh, just that, you know, we've just had 219,000 pounds taken out of the account. And I've gone, what? She goes, yeah, 219,000 pounds. Well, I'm like, okay, quite calm about it. Okay. Let me find a bank manager. I'll sort it out. And she goes, I don't know where it's gone. It's not one of our payments. So I'm like, right, okay, let me, quite blase, I'll phone it, I'll sort it. Phone at the bank manager, and he's gone, right, hang on, I'm just turning around, I'm going back to the office now. Um, this is quite serious. And I said, hang on a minute, you don't sort of give me any, any faith that I'm going to get this money back. Yeah. He goes, well, you might not. I said, what do you mean you might not? I might not. It's in said, my bank. <laughs> you know, and he's gone, no, you might not. So I'm like, oh my God. So then we had to go over to Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. So we went through all Christmas thinking, right, there's 219,000 pounds. Now, like with any business, we don't carry cash. We, we're, we're funded and we, we pay it when we need, we draw it down when we need it, et cetera. But we had, an, we had like 100,000 pounds in the account over at the Christmas period based on the fact that we needed a buffer just in case contractors needed late payments or whatever, yeah. you know, so get them through Christmas. So that was fine. So I'm thinking, right, okay. So we had to go through Christmas, Boxing Day and everything else. And then the, the, there was a weekend and then we didn't come back to the Monday. So Monday morning, phone the bank, what's happening, what's happening? And um, he said, well, our head of security will be phoning you shortly. So right, okay. So he phoned, got the details and he said, right, I'll phone you back later. That was it. So I found the bank manager back and I said, right, what am I going to do? I've got to pay. I've got a quarter of a million pounds worth of contractor payments going out this week to pay them for New Year, over the New Year. And I said, we've got no money. And, and he said, well, have you got any? <laughs> and I said, what? He said, have you got any? And I said, well, yes, because if you've got some, then I can probably support you. Otherwise, you won't get any support until we find out whether someone in your business took that money. And I was like, what do you mean? So, you know. so luckily I scraped some money together and then they supported it and we got through that payment. And uh, what had happened was that we'd had a, um, obviously a virus come through our system. Someone had opened a PDF looking like a remittance. That had put a 
uh, bug into the system. So when the account had logged on to the, to the NatWest site, it was at the time, it sent them straight to a mirrored site. And there was, a, there was someone copy coding oh. the, what we were putting in, our passwords and everything else. Then they, they, they monitored our account for a month, noticed that we would pay, make big payments on a Monday of anything around that sort of figure. So they mirrored thinking, well, we'll get away with 219 grand. Well, I was like, oh my God. And I said, but that's your fault. You know, yeah. like, we haven't done anything wrong. And also on the back of that, they authorized a single payment in dollars, which we don't do, same day payments, which we don't do, on the, we didn't do on that, that sort of amount, and it took us into an overdraft, which we didn't have, <laughs> right? So that all the mistakes that they made were, I, that was my argument, Yeah. you know? So I ended up, we ended up getting it back. They never admitted, they never admitted that they were at fault. Um, I ended up having meetings with their director of security flew down from Ed, Edinburgh to, to here. And there, someone from London got the train up to come and see me here because I was like, you're, this is all your fault and you need to start communicating this to your customers because, you know, it is a disgrace what's going on. Yeah. And, but in the end, it took me a month to get it back. What did you do? Did they, did they give you some kind of lending facility for that? Well, we had to try and support it through that, through that period. But, you know, there was a month where they were going, you might not get it. You might not get it. A final interruption to today's episode to introduce our third sponsor, Vincere. Vincere is the all-in-one CRM ATS platform built for the recruitment and staffing industry. Now, I first heard about these guys about a year ago. The amount of prospect recruitment agencies and clients I was working with that were telling me they were moving over to Vincere, I had to look into it. And what I found was a business that had a global reach um, with multiple offices around the world. So they've got this follow the sun methodology, which allows them to support recruitment businesses wherever you are and, have, and, and be in your time zone. But the technology that they've invested in um, is becoming a, a disruptor in the space. More and more recruitment businesses are, are doing this to give their, their recruiters a competitive advantage. They broke into the G2 crowd's momentum grid as a market leader based on their reviews from their customers. So the, the agencies that are using this platform are raving about it. Now, if you're a rag listener and you're thinking about changing CRM or you're a new business looking to launch with a new CRM, then I would get in touch with, the, with these guys because if you mention that you're a rag listener, they're doing an amazing deal. By visiting www.vincere.io forward slash rag, you can get an exclusive deal which offers two months completely free on a two-year commitment or three months completely free on a three-year commitment. This applies to all licenses that you've either signed up for now or that you'll add in the duration of the contract. So get on there and have a look. Finally, if you're listening to your recruiter and you're thinking, I want to move into a more of a business development role um, and I'd like to keep hold of my recruitment knowledge, well, these guys are recruiting for a BD person, well, multiple roles in both Sydney and London right now. So if you've got a strong recruitment background, you want to move into BD and you want to work for a fast moving tech business that's helping people like you right now, then get in touch via their website because they're hiring today. In the end, it took me a month to get it back. What did you do? Did they, did they give you some kind of lending facility for that? Well, we had to try and support it through that, through that period. But, you know, there was a month where they were going, you might not get it. You might not get it. And, and you said it was the biggest fraudulent transaction in the UK. It was, it was, the, fraud, it was the biggest one at that, at that time because we went through it all and we obviously started Googling things and there was other companies that had had it done. And the more I was reading about it, though, the, the more of these people hadn't got it back and the same thing had happened. Oh, no. And I'm like, this is unbelievable. We had a but, similar thing. We had a, some, like 12 grand or something about a month ago. Someone phoned my business partner up, acted like Barclays. Basically, told him, got through all the security on the phone. So, asked yeah. him, they don't do that on the phone, do they? But no. they were like, You've had an Amazon. They basically said, You've had a payment on Amazon of 1200 quid. It looks suspicious, blah, blah, blah. We need to check it. So, he was like, Yeah, okay. And then, then he got a call from Barclays saying, You need to come into the branch about a day later. And he's like, But you rang me yesterday. And like, We didn't ring you yesterday. You need to come into the branch. Basically, they tried to take 12 grand out after that call, but the, they uh -huh. stopped it. So, the moral of the story is, Go to Barclays, not Nat West, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but at the time you know, the first thing I was going to do is obviously uh, I was 
um, the, the bank were a disgrace. I was changing banks and, and all this sort of stuff. But then I thought, hang on a minute, no way. I've, I've now got the securest bank account in the, in the country because they're <laughs> going to be keeping their eye on this, you yeah, know, because it's just cost. You're the number one client now. That's you can, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're the things as, as business owners, like, you know, a lot of them are listeners are the next generation. They're the people that are, they're going to start their agencies or they would have started their agencies if it wasn't for the fucking lockdown. But yeah, yeah. they, um, you know, you only think of the grand gestures, the driving of nice yeah. cars, the flying yeah, away. Yeah. No one tells you, oh, by the way, you might have a lot of money taken out of the bank and yeah. then you fuck yeah. paying payments out. Yeah. Um, so you, you know, how do you get through things like that? You've got a family then depending on you at Christmas. Yeah. How did you mentally get through that? Have you got any, can you remember? I drank a lot. <laughs> <laughs> a long way. Um, to be honest, you know, it's, I, I don't know. It's just like, you've just got to try and push it to the back of your mind and go, right. Okay. Looking at everything that's going on. I know we've not, we've not done anything wrong. I will get this money back. I will make sure that um, it doesn't affect the business. I am prepared because it's my because it's my responsibility. I am prepared to do what is needed to make sure that this business carries on. Yeah. Um, and because that business is there for my for my um, family, and um, I wouldn't be the same person if I went gave it up and worked for somebody else. I'm pretty much unemployable now anyway. Um, you know, but, you know, I'm, I'm happiest doing what I do. Yeah. So that's a massive part of that, you know, because you go home happy. You might have things on your mind, but, you know, if you that type goes back to, if you're that type of person that you can deal with, not just the great stuff, but you've got to be able to deal with the shit. And if you can deal with that, then you'll be all right. But if... You know, if as soon as you start losing money, and I've seen some some friends, you know, as soon as they start losing money, they panic, and that's it, end of story. They 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 go right, this isn't working. I'm giving up. Well, you've got to have. You're never always going to make money. There's going to be times where you you know you lose money. You, you, there's companies, there's people that take every bit of money out of their business every year. Well, you're, you're starting on zero every year. What's the point? You know, a couple of bad months, your history. So you'd Listen, always all, your business is. It's your account, right? It's your yeah. business. So it's, it's, it's just having money in a different place in a way. Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm definitely the reinvestment attitude, attitude to what we're doing. Um, what, what I'm interested in as well is like, how have you maintained, like what's your secret to family life when you're running a business? So you've got kids, you've got a wife, you've got, you've got colleagues, you've got, but you've got to balance those things to be in a, to, to, to keep, keep both sides yeah. ticking. What, yeah, how, yeah. Have you got any advice for people there? Because a lot, again, a lot of people starting off have recently got married or they're in relationships. And again, there's a hell of a lot coming down the line that, that you've been through. Well, I've always, I suppose I've always sort of, um, the wife's put up with a lot. I'll give her that. Um, and, but I've always probably set realistic, realistic expectations. So I've never tried to make her believe that, you know, it's going to be something that it's not. So there are going to be times when um, I am stressed. There are going to be times when I'm in a, not in the greatest of moods. There are going to be times when I have to go to places and I have to go to meetings and be away and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, sometimes it might look like I'm enjoying it. I try not to show her too much that I'm enjoying <laughs> it. And, and, you know, and then, but, you know, it's all for the greater good. But I think the, she understood that from the start and because I never sort of made it out to be any different and it was always going to be that way, then she's, you know, she understands it and so do the kids. And um, then the good side comes from that because, you know, the worst thing in the world is um, if you're getting home and then you're getting grief for doing your job, which is what you have to do to yeah. provide what you're providing you know, so um, I think you have to, to the balance, there's a balance there that, look, okay, the business has got to work for you. You know, it's, it is there to work for you as well. Mm. And, um, you know, you can't, you cannot do 24-7 all the time, all the time, all the time. You know, you've got to, you've got to trust in the people that are around you. Uh, and if you've got, if you've got good people, then generally, you know, a lot of the time they, they make your life 
easy, but sometimes too easy because they feel like you're not wanted at all. Yeah. So, you know, but you've have got you to been through, Have you been through that as well, where you've got, you said you're pushing paper around a bit now, but I mean, look, we're in a different world. But have you got to that point where you've almost been redundant from the day to day and thought, what am I doing? Sometimes, yeah, sometimes, you know, you do, you know, you get, I'm still very much hands on. But there are very, there's a lot of time where you, you walk around the office and everyone's buzzing about whatever and there's a new deal going through or new clients or someone's out with this and someone's out with that. And I'm like, well, what's going on? They go, we're busy. <laughs> oh, come on. Tell me, tell me about it. <laughs> and they're like, what are you doing here? Will you just get out of the way? You know? Yeah, bugger off. Um, but, you know, I think. Really, from my, what I love from what I do as well is I try to say to people, you know, is I love to t- try and get what I've got in here into them and the experience that I've got and give it to them because, you know, I'm not going to be around forever. And, you know, I, I'd rather them have that knowledge. So just trying to impart that into people to make them better, to make them understand that. And, you know, I suppose that makes me makes me feel wanted as well. I suppose because they do come to come to me. Yeah, yeah. If you're if you if you're offering value, then there's going to be a, a desire for that, right? What yeah. What would you say? What's been the biggest change in the type of or the the people that you've hired and and in, as as time's gone on? So what was like? You know, is is the recruitment consultant of today that you look for the same as the guys in 1989? Is it? Is the raw skills the same or has it evolved? From our, from our perspective, yes, you know, we do, we look for the same thing and, you know, it's all about, you know, what we do is not rocket science, okay? Um, and it, it's not worth trying to wrap it up that it is, it's any different than that. But so you've got to have, we have real core values that, like I said before, you know, we make a commitment to our clients so we don't just take on a role and go, we'll see if we can fill it and we'll till it if we can. You know, we are making a commitment to you to make sure we do that. So the people we need, they've got to be able to build relationships. They've got to be proper people. They've got to be proper people. We, you know, false people, fake people, their industry's full of it. Hey, can't be doing with it at all. It's got to, you know, you've got to be genuine. You've got to have the right values and morals and all that sort of stuff. The rest of it we can teach. You've got to be what you've got to want to work hard. You've got to want to put this first to start with. You know, once you've got to a level, then you manage the outcome. Then you can be, have a lot more autonomy, control your own destiny a little bit more. But to start with, you've got to have those core values. You want to work hard. You've got to look after each other. You want to learn. You know, you, you respect people. You respect what people have got. Um, and one of the questions I always used to used to ask people, which is right, I don't know, was, you know, um, what do your parents do? What relationship you got with them? You know, and and love the answer when they'd come. You know how they how they'd answer about their mom and things like that. You know, mm. I'll always remember when Carl came for his interview, you know, he was wherever he was working, this suntan shop or whatever it was. He, um, he, he was on, he was on 50 quid a, 50 quid a month or 50 quid a week or whatever it was. But he gave, he was giving like 25% of that to his mom for keep, you know. For, for yeah, that, and that's the sort. You know, and, and I'm like, wow. That's the type of person. Yeah, it's the people. It's the ethics. They've got that work ethic that they, they they understand the value of money and what they're doing it for. Do you know what one of the one of the questions my old boss Steve, who's from your way, he's from uh, from Birmingham, and again Steve's straight as an arrow, like doesn't mince his words. My old boss trained me. I loved working for him, and he used to ask a question: How did you get here today? And they go what? Like you could see people's face, and you go just, just how did you get to the office to this interview? Yeah. And they'd be looking at him a bit like, what you took, like the bus? What, what you? And he, what, what he wanted was a logical order of how they, like he wanted to know what route they took from okay. how, and he wanted to know the detail and could they fucking remember it? And the amount yeah. of people that when you ask him, how did you get here? And they go, did I get the central line? Did I get the Waterloo line? And you're like, straight away, he's like, yeah. if you can't remember how the fuck you got to this office, yeah, yeah, how, are you yeah. gonna, how are you going to remember yeah. the role descriptions? And I yeah. thought, such a clever question. It's so basic. Yeah. But then yeah. those cognitive skills, which is, that's not academic, that's common sense. That's, yeah. that's, that's being aware of your surroundings. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. You've yeah. always got that one mate who you can, you can drive to Manchester. I've got a mate who I, you could take him to Manchester every day for 30 years and he still couldn't do it on his own. Yeah. 
Like, you you would not hire that guy as a recruiter. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's like you know I I look at it and you know you've got to be able to you've got to be able to multitask. Apparently, we're not really good at that sort of thing, you know, but, um, you know, you've got to be able to put the phone down on something, pick up another phone with, a, with you know, two, three, four roles going on at the same time. You've got, to, you've got to be aware, like you say, aware of what's going on around you. You know, you should always have one ear open, learning what's going on in the office as well around you, listening to what other people are doing and what's going on. And, you know, and if, you, if you're too, uh, I don't know, you're too focused on one thing, you, you don't take all that information no, you don't in. see the bigger picture no you know so it's it I think we've been lucky we've been lucky we've got some great people and they've got they've got some great work ethic don't get me wrong we've had some terrible ones as well and you know you can't all? get you can't be 30 years in the game and not <laughs> yeah. hire idiots along the way yeah. Well, yeah. let's let's talk about where you are now chris so you've said you're 30 strong but you're strong 30 tell us yeah. where you're heading now what's the plan um well we We've run through a bit like this transition of maturing as a business over the last few years. Um, so now we've got we've got a lot of cake. We, we we put the systems in place and the people in place and everything else. So we're probably we're a 15, 16 million pound business now, but which is not massive or any anything by any stretch of the imagination. But we've got capability now without changing anything to be 30. And our target market, which a lot of our a lot of our businesses is, is with um, the big solutions businesses. So um, supplying them on their volume contract people and, and specialists and niche. And that is an area where we see some massive growth and we're already starting to see it because they want partners rather than suppliers. We've been, and we, we are, like I said, it goes back to that commitment thing where we know that we have got to deliver and we will deliver. And so over the next few years, look, do we go to 30 million, 35 million, whatever, Potentially yes, but there's also you've got to be you've got to be really careful because over those last two or three years as well, you lose sight of um, what's real as well, which is making money, yeah. and also you lose sight of your costs if you're not careful as well. You know, so that that period. I wish now I was 20 years younger, and I wish we were in this position 20 years. You know, same thing, and because. I think this, the future of this business is going to be well beyond when I've gone and it will continue to... Is that your... Is that... Are you planning to... Would you love to like sell to the team like a management buyout or something at some point? Look, you know, at the end of the day, if there's... If it becomes... If, if I sit there in the background and do it, doing some consultancy two or, th two or three days a week or whatever, um, just, to, just to feel like I'm still wanted, then great. Um, I don't know whether it... it if we sold it all out, I don't know. I suppose my, uh, my aspirations have changed slightly where, you know, I think before I'm 53 now and like I say, 30 years into this and it feels like I've been doing it for 10 minutes. And when you're making decisions, when you're like 30, 35, you're going, well, it doesn't really matter because we've got years. And then the next thing, the next minute, you're, 50, you're going, well, hang on a minute. How much longer have I got to do this? You know? So if someone came along and said, Here's this. Do you want it? Will you take it? Um, then I've got to be more selfish when it comes to that mm. as we move forward. Um, but I think the, the position of the business at the moment is it's in a great position and it's got a, it's got a real strength in depth. And um, I think we're in we're going to we're going to fly when we come out of this. Um, you, strike me, you strike me like you've still got the energy for it though do you know what i mean like that oh, I, I spoke it. to a i spoke to a woman on the phone uh, on the podcast sorry a lady called beth arm connect miller who does she supports founders in the u.s to sell um we had, a, we had a really good conversation earlier this week and one of the things she said was especially with coronavirus but not just coronavirus but in general when founders get to a certain point often they don't have the energy to to get to sell and they they've got this this like you know absolute euphoric moment in their head of selling their business and riding off into the sunset but yeah. there's low there's still work to be done and yeah, yeah, sometimes yeah. i think you've got to check yourself and go am i genuinely in it to do that or, or do i do i have to have a different strategy whereas you yeah. strike me as you still got that 25 year old energy like, I, love <laughs> I love it i love it it's like everyone here goes when will you ever slow down and you know and and Hopefully I won't, but you know it, the time will come, I'm sure. But no, I've got I've got just as much energy now and, and passion to to drive this 
at uh, where I believe it, it, it should have been a while ago, you know? And um, the other thing is, you know, I've seen people, the only thing I've ever seen from people who have retired is that they've done it too soon. And, you know, what would I do? I'm a control freak. I'm an egotistical maniac and, and everything else. It comes with, comes with the whole package, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and you go, all right then, well, you've now got nothing. You've got yeah. nothing. What, you've you've no, gone from that to nothing. Well, your identity is wrapped up in the business, in the people, in the culture, and then you lose. Like I spoke to the guys, John and Alex from, the, from, the, from Rise, I mean, they were mid thirties when they sold and yeah. you know, they made a really good amount of money. Yeah. They did some wonderful things for their families and stuff. And one moved to a house, one bought, um, one, one moved to Columbia and went traveling. The other one bought a property of his parents. And, but they both said they felt this emptiness inside this like yeah. lack of identity. Cause you know, you're used to everyone being reported into you. There's this yeah. big engine. I, I, I mean, I'm, I have days at Hoxo and, there's no doubt I'm stressed and I think to myself, you know, it'd be easier just to work for someone else. Like you have them days, but then you know what? It's that, it's that, that, that busyness that I actually love. And if you took that away from me, I'd be, fuck, I'd be pointless. Yeah. Um, that's exactly the same thing. You know, I, if I, if, if I didn't have this, um, I'd be divorced very, very quickly, you know? Um, and it, it's just, I'd be, I, I would be lost at 30, 35. Um, those guys have got a lot of choices. I can understand their emptiness, but they've also got a lot of choices and now they've got the opportunity with the money to make those choices and do a lot of different things. Yeah. You know, so which is fantastic and fair play to them, you know? Um, but no, I don't think I'm, uh, I'm ready for the scrap heap just yet. You know? Final question, Chris is about the lockdown and the changes coming. So, you know, some businesses are newer than others. They're a bit more agile. It's easier to just remote work. And, you know, they've yeah. been brought up on, on the latest technology. Whereas yeah. we've talked about the fact you, you had your, uh, I can't remember what you called it, a dot mailing print machine or something. What was it yeah. called? <laughs> yeah. A dot matrix printer. Dot matrix. Right. I, I, Even I, I don't I, know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm 30, 34. I can still remember the noise of it going across from side to side. <laughs> I bet, yeah. I mean, someone, who was it? Was it one of my team? Yeah. My, Amma sent me a, a, a screenshot my business partner sent me a screenshot of his brother's whatsapp and it was basically his son found so his brother's son his nephew found an old cassette yeah daddy what's this weird box with sellotape yeah. inside it and it was yeah. like you know to not even know what a cassette is but well that's, that's i've got to tell you this i've got to tell you this when, when we um we had some training come through one of the days this is going back a while now and um, the, the girls came out and i said to one of the girls how was that and everything else and she said yeah it was great she goes but they were talking about a fax machine. What's one of them? Right? Now, I've gone through the whole lifespan of the fax machine being introduced and then being made redundant. She didn't know anything about it. Well, the only I never used a fax, but I remember the noise when you phoned one. It was like yeah. you've got yeah. all the dolphins. That's and, it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, um, so, so what does the future look like in terms of like, you know, working policies and this whole remote aspect at ECS Resource? Well, I think, you know... Um, that we're going to, we always thought we're, that we'll always be an office-based business. Um, we're a, as a group of people, we're a real social group of people where we enjoy ourselves a lot. Um, I can and, just tell that. I don't need you. Know, that's, and that's never, that's never going to change. Yeah. Um, but now there's a, there's a difference with, you know, you, you start to trust people. Now you see people working at home. A lot of, you know, we're getting some people that are coming back and going, look, Chris, I'm more productive at home than I am in the office because of the distractions and the banter that's flying around all the time and all that sort of stuff. So moving forward, you know, the, the consultants will, <clears throat> they'll still have, we've never been a massive KPI business, but they'll, they'll be measured on outcome. Yeah. So they'll have a lot more autonomy to go and do what they want to do and come in and out of the office when they want to come in out of the office. Um, and we'll just manage on outcome. Um, the same with the, the back office. Um, you know, I trust everybody here 100% to actually go and do what they're supposed to do. Um, so it will be a massively different place. But then I think on the other side of it, it might even enhance our social side of things because people will even be more uh, up for going to okay, we're all going to the pub on Friday or whatever because they'll go right. We'll make an effort to go in because we haven't yeah, seen anybody yeah, yeah. all the time. No, I've thought about that. I've I've yeah. thought about that. Like I, I see myself doing probably two to three in the office moving forward, but yeah. fucking enjoying those days. You know, getting yeah. 
getting yeah, time yeah. with people, going for dinner, going for beers, you know, yeah. just trying to be, be together and then, then really enjoy the day where I'm yeah. at home looking out the window and I've got that lack of, I've got clarity from the yeah. chaos. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. look, I, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. Obviously, we're, we're going to be close to you anyway. Um, but Chris, thank you, mate. Thanks so much for taking the time. I've, more than anything else, I've, I've enjoyed it. I've, I've found it. No, it's been good fun. And uh, I'm sure the, the people that are listening have, have enjoyed it. Well, would you be open to having a chat with anyone if they've got any questions, any support they're, they're looking for? Yeah, of course I am. Yeah, of course I am. No problem at all. You know that. And uh, we'll do it again in like six months if we're still here. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, you will be. You will be. You might not be in the office. You might be on a beach. But, uh, we'll, no. so, we'll get you on LinkedIn. Anyone who wants to reach out, give Chris a shout on LinkedIn. But um, Chris, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Been an absolute pleasure, Sean. Great stuff. Yeah, you too. Guys, thank you so much for listening again. Um, this daily show, I know it's relentless. There's always there's a new episode every time you wake up. But uh, I, I want to add value and, and I want to make sure that, well, you know, not only is it serious and, and it's about the detail you need, but sometimes it's just relief and having a bit of fun and listening to some stories like we did today. Um, I'll be back again tomorrow with more stories, more news. In the meantime, stay safe and I'll see you soon. This podcast is brought to you by Hoxo Media. We are the world's number one inbound marketing agency exclusively focused on helping the recruitment industry. Myself and my business partner started the business in 2017, having been recruiters for seven years before. We felt that the recruitment industry back then needed to change and that marketing was going to play a huge role in the way that new and existing recruitment organizations won business and stood out in such a crowded marketplace. In three years, We've now worked with over 200 organizations around the world. We reach a huge audience with both this podcast and content online. And we have over 55 recruitment agencies right now. We're managing the marketing force. That involves strategy, content creation, distribution, systems process, and leads generated. Having been recruiters and marketeers, we can not only build your brand, but we're also able to connect it to your sales team and ensure that leads are generated as a result of marketing. There's a clear ROI that leads to sales activity. But we also understand recruitment businesses. That's small businesses, medium-sized businesses, large businesses in all sectors. We understand you, we've done the job, and we can build campaigns that are super relevant to what you need as a business right now. We've also recently launched the Hoxo Academy, which is designed to help recruitment owners, recruiters and marketeers learn from the work that we do so that you can action some of this stuff in-house on your own. The Academy has been launched in May 2020 and has already had an amazing uh, response from the market and it's only going to grow one way. So if you're interested in either having Hoxo support you build your marketing as a, as a supplier that acts as part of your team or you want to be trained by us on how to do it yourself, then get in touch. Visit www.hoxomedia.com and register your interest on our homepage. We will then get back to you within 24 hours and arrange uh, an introductory call. Thanks again for listening to this show. Every single one of you means so much and we will see you again soon.